Hi, I'm Arlen Hamilton, and you're listening to Arlen's Academy, the podcast that teaches everything you need to know about launching a successful business or working at one, all in one place. Arlen's Academy is brought to you completely free by HireRunner.co. HireRunner is my new recruiting company that connects outstanding operations talent with inclusive startups. If you're looking for talent or you want to apply to be a runner, visit HireRunner.co. Remember, all of the material you're about to hear is accessible online at arlensacademy.com. If you're enjoying what you're learning and want to dig even deeper and learn more, visit the site now. Be sure to tell your friends. All right, let's talk about pitch decks for investors because that's why you're here. MVP versus all out. Earlier in the lessons above, I did talk about MVP in the terms section. So please go check out the terms and jargon to understand what minimum viable product means versus going all out. Uh, which, which one should you do? Well, let's talk about it. What kind of design skills do you have? Do you already have design skills where you can create something um, from, from the ether that looks beautiful? If you can, you know, maybe you'll do a little bit more than the next person will. You, maybe you have a little bit more uh, space there. Um, some hacks and tools we'll talk about a little bit later, but I can tell you now I build all of the decks for this course on Canva. At first I was using a free site, a free version of it. Now I use a pro version of it, but um, it's pretty amazing. It it does what what I needed to do. This is a presenting slide deck. So um, you you would probably spend a little bit more time on it than I do. But uh, this is this works for like my analog mind, if that makes sense. Do you hire a designer? I don't know if you spend a lot of time and money on a designer, but we'll talk about that in, later in this video. Um, my first deck, what was my first deck like? Well, for, for backstage, actually, the reason I put friends and family here, again, that's one of the, the jargon terms that you can look up. But the reason I used it here was that they didn't give me money for it to, to hire a designer. But a couple of my friends helped me build the deck. So that's another way you can do this. You can reach out and barter a little bit. Hey, if you can you help me build a deck because I know that you build wonderful ones or you have a, a talent for that kind of thing and I'll do something else that you don't love doing. I'll do some spreadsheeting or I'll do some writing for you, some something that you don't love doing, I'll do. Uh, maybe your co-founder is better at it than you are, et cetera, et cetera. Well, how many slides sh should you have? Let's talk about that. It depends. Depends on how what, how it's being used. So this is a presenting slide, uh, a presenting slide deck. I tried to say two words at once. <laughs> uh, so this one's not going to be as independent as a presenting as a investor deck would be. It depends on who who will see it, how it's being used, if it's changeable or permanent. We're going to talk really about permanent ones, meaning not literally you never can change it, but the ones that you're going to send out as a PDF or you're going to send out as a link to someone and they're going to be able to share it too. So 
the stats and the the information you put there can't be changed because you're sending it out. Now you can use DocSend, D-O-C-S-E-N-D, and give people a link, even password protected, and that link goes to a page and then you could upload different versions, more revised versions of your deck to that link so that the link never gets old. And that has that's actually what I used um, for a long time. I've used it since. I mean, we used Docsend at Backstage, and I started really, really early using Docsend as opposed to sending an attachment or something like that. Some investors are going to like attachments. They're gonna, it's going to be easy for them. I'll look at it. You send it to me. I can open it up. Some of them are not going to, you know, mind either way, but you're, there's a little bit of figuring out what they want and, and making that decision. Uh, let's talk about what I've seen, what impresses me. I've had the uh, Shania Twain song in my head that don't impress me much since I made this deck earlier today. <laughs> but uh, what impresses me, um, what I skip, what's most important, what's least impre- important. Uh, we'll talk about that because um, in the dues section, let's look at the dues section. Yes, make it clear. We talked about that in the last video. Make it concise, previous video put effort into it. So don't send out something that looks haphazard, that looks like you just don't care. It doesn't have to be perfect, beautiful, amazing. It doesn't have to take you a lot of money or a lot of time. And I really, really mean that. But it does need to look like you care about your company. So you might have to spend more time if you have less skill and less money It's like the Venn diagram. You can get two of three things. You're not going to get all three. So it's going to take you longer, but you need to show the effort in doing it. This is really important. This is, if you take nothing else from this whole video, please take this. Be honest. Be honest. Don't send out a deck, uh, a slide deck for your company that lies, that has stats that aren't true, that embellishes even. Don't tell me you've done 50,000 in revenue in 2019 when you simply haven't because you don't think we're going to check. We're going to check. Eventually, if we care enough, if we get to where you want us to be, which is making that investment or getting close to it, you're going to get checked. And can I tell you right now, the person that uh, we're going to do a case study on, Mark Cuban, later in the course, he has due diligence I didn't put that in the term section, but I should have. Due diligence, um, which is basically learning about everything that you said out loud, checking it, checking on you behind the scenes. Due diligence list out of this world. So you see him out to $100,000 on Shark Tank, boom. Then he's going to take you for two months and ask you every question known to man that has to be verifiable. A lot of investors are like that. I'm like that, but not as stringent, not as many questions, and not as stringent about the questions. But I guarantee you, if you lie to me and I find out about it, it's done. We're over. I don't need to write the check. Have no incentive to if you're going to lie. So be very careful about what your difference is between embellishing, lying, putting your best foot forward, all of that. Just be honest. Just be honest. And if your honesty is not enough for the person, if, if you gave them the real numbers and it's just not enough, it's not your time yet. 
that's just about building that character up. You do want to paint a picture. So no matter how you do it, whether it's an MVP or all out or whatever, you want to take the reader or the viewer on a journey. Let them see, let them dream with you. Uh, um, Alfred Lynn, I believe, at Sequoia, which is a major, major fund, once said on stage while I was watching early in my career, he wants to be able to dream with the founder. Help Help the investor dream with you, imagine with you. Follow a basic flow. Next slide, we'll, I'll tell you what that looks like. Consider how it will be received. This goes back to many things. This goes back to thinking about who is going to see this. How busy are they? How many pitches do they receive in a week? How burnt out are they? How distracted are they? How much uh, do they love pitches and how much do they not? You can't know all of that, but you can consider it. And you can do your best to give them something that is easily palatable, easy to read, easy to take in, so that they don't get bombarded by what you're trying to tell them. Remember I said earlier, you have to advocate for, your, for the person that you're talking to in any negotiation. Advocate for them and how they're going to receive it. Do put yourself in the viewer's shoes is what I would have just said. Do use an easy way to share. So we talked about DocSend. A couple of options are sending in an email as an attachment. That's pretty easy. I'll, I get, I'd say 80% of the, the pitches I get are email attachments if they're emails. Another way is using DocSend. You want to send a little link. That link can be updated. And so it's pretty cool. Um, I really do like DocSend. So I would say that's a good way of doing it. What you don't, I forgot to put on the don't section. I'll I'll add that right now before I forget. You don't want to ask someone to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Don't ask anyone to sign an NDA for your company that you're talking to them for the first time. Just don't, they're not going to sign it. And it's going to make you seem like you don't know what you're doing. Okay. Basic flow that I mentioned on the dues. You're going to have a million ideas of how and a million examples of how pitch decks have been done for the as far back as the eye can see. But it, usually the successful ones follow this. There's a problem. I'm going to tell you what the problem is that I see. I'm going to tell you what the, my solution is. I'm going to tell you what my business model is because I'm going to tell you the solution, but I'm also going to tell you how that matters to us, how that matters to me as a founder, as an entrepreneur, and how that matters to you as someone who wants to, I want to be part of my world, whether you're an investor, a potential employer, employee, I mean, a potential employee, a potential lender, a potential partner. What is the business model? What is the thing that we're doing here? Uh, Who you are, and then the ask. And they can be uh, in different orders, but that's usually the order that works for me. And it doesn't matter if you have 20, 20 slides or, th- or five slides or one slide. If you can tell me those five things clearly, we're getting somewhere. Don'ts. Gonna, I'm going to pause for a second because I need you all to, <laughs> I need you all to hear me. And again, I'll say it one more time. Everything I have on this don'ts list, I've done myself. 
So I'm not coming to you from a place of a perch. I'm coming to you from don't repeat my mistakes and let me save you some time and some and a lot of money. Because if you save money, you make money. Um, I see this, the don'ts on this happen over and over and over and over when people write to me, when people pitch me, whether it's in person, verbally, or it's a pitch deck or it's written. Don't spend a ton of money on making the pitch deck. Because you know what you've just proven to me and to any investor? You've proven that you're willing to waste money that I'm about to give you. Right? You don't have to spend a ton of money. And there are some predatory people out there who will charge you a lot of money for a pitch deck that you could create on your own. It won't be as pretty. It won't be as fast. But it will work. It will do the job. Your content and your character and the content of your character, yes, should be enough. The content of the uh, deck should be enough. Don't have more than 20 slides. Have 10 to 15 slides tops. Tops. You can do it in eight slides. You're my best friend. Don't use a ton of jargon. Don't use jargony words a ton of them, to make it seem like you're smarter than the, the person reading it or you know so much about the industry. Don't make it so unaccessible that an angel investor can't understand it because they may be looking at 50 different deals that month in 40 different categories and they don't need to learn an entire new industry and in, in, in vertical to read your deck for three minutes. Keep it simple. Keep it concise. Don't skip the competition slide. Um, I say this that I don't really look at. Like a lot of people say they don't look at projections because projections um, are, are, you can't ever project. You really don't know how much money you're going to make three years from now. Like I don't need to see your six-year projections because I just don't believe them, right? I also don't believe that you don't have competition. That's a double negative, but you have competition. If you don't think you have competition or you can't show me the competition you have, it simply means you have not done enough research, which also is a red flag. Everybody, every company on earth has competition. It may be a small competition or slightly different than what you do, but it exists. And by hiding it or not talking about it, you're just showing people who know, who are used to this, who have this muscle built. You're just showing them that you don't know enough, that, that you don't know enough to certainly be coming to us for money. So I would put this competition slide there. Now, the, the advice I've heard that counters that every once in a while, I'll come across an investor every once in a while who will say to me, why did you put your competition or mention someone else here? You're just making me think about them. I don't necessarily agree with that. And I've heard that maybe once out of every 50 times I hear an investor talk about it. Usually it is the other. And so find a way to describe your competition while keep, still keeping you on top. Why are you better? You've seen these different graphs, charts, and everything that explain, well, they do these three things, but I do these five things. But I'm going to tell you what the three things they do are because that's honest. You're going to find out anyway. I'm going to find out anyway if I care enough to look. So be honest and be upfront. Don't add friction for the viewer. 
Don't make it more di- so difficult for me to open the file or go. Don't take me on a little trip that I have to go through four different pages and find the file. Don't have. We don't have time. We don't. None of us have time for that. None, you don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. Don't make it so that it is so difficult to read again. That is so difficult to follow, and you're just like. I don't get the point. I don't understand what this is. I don't get it. I've had people, investors come to me and say, I don't get your deck. I don't understand what your company is. So I've gone back and retooled it and we go back and we retool it. And yes, I've had a wonderful designer at Backstage, Brian Landers, for the last four years who makes beautiful decks. He, de- he makes them for, uh, he helps some of our portfolio founders with them. Um, but if the content doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a pattern. It's a theme. Don't make it impossible to follow without you presenting it. You're sending these over and you know what you're saying. But imagine 90% of the time someone's going to be reading this in a vacuum. They're going to be by themselves reading what you wrote. They're not going to be presenting it like I'm doing necessarily. So make sure that on silent and you know, maybe someone who doesn't know anything about the company that's a friend of yours, send it to them and say, do you understand what this is saying? Could you generally tell me what I'm trying to say in this? If they go through it and they're completely confused and you do that two, five, ten times and nobody gets it or most people don't, try again, try again. Don't forget your intention. Remember, you want to make sure that they can dream with you and don't lie. I said it before, don't lie. Um. So the most important thing is uh, being honest, being clear, being concise. Those are the three things that that have really I've seen. You know, I've seen people what their downfall is that they just try to be too complicated. They try to get cute. They try to make it too difficult for me to try to convince me like that. I don't need to be wind and dined. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm coming from with it. And when you do pitch uh, verbally, when you do pitch, when you do have that moment in the elevator, you do have that moment in the car with me, or you met me at the airport, or you met the investor at the airport or whatever, try to have that compassion about their day, about what they're going through, about the capital that they, are under, that they may have, et cetera, et cetera. I've had some people be extremely rude, extremely rude while presenting to me as if I owe them something. I don't owe anyone anything. I owe myself and I owe humanity my compassion, but I don't owe owe individuals who I don't know anything, my time, my interest, my money, none of that. Okay. And so it's, Again, when you're trying to shoot your shot, just remember you, you're making an impression and you may not get what you ask for in that moment. But if you play your cards right, if you just think about yourself, you may get what you want later and it may be even better than you ever dreamed of because you played it right. That's happened to me a million times, a million times. When I play it wrong, it's gone. But when I play it right, when I'm just like, I didn't get what I wanted, but I was nice to them. I didn't act like a jerk. I was I was confident and I was controlled in my manner and I was myself. I was authentic. They're going to see me coming around again as long as I'm consistent. They're going to see me again. 
The right people are going to come into your orbit over and over again. There's no reason for you to crash land on them. Um, and here's how you can avoid needing a pitch deck for investors altogether. You ready? You, you get closer to your computer or to your, to your phone. The way you can avoid needing a pitch deck at all, and you can just throw all of this that I just said out the window, is by bootstrapping your company. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, it's a reoccurring thing. Bootstrap your company. You don't have to make a pitch deck for an investor. You may have to make one for your $300,000 partner for the, for the corporation or for the um, $60,000 uh, uh, consulting uh, customer you have just to tell them what's going on. But you we won't have to if you bootstrap and that's your model. So that's just something to think about. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in your ear a few times more because I think it's the, it's the most important thing I can teach you. That's what I have for you, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something. All right, let's get into pitching, do's, and don'ts. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this one. So I have watched, heard, read thousands of pitches since 2011. I lost count at like 6,000. Honestly, it's been thousand, at least 1,000 per year for at least five years and beyond. And every year it becomes more and more. And last year, 2019, alone, we saw more than 2,000 companies go through our accelerator process uh, and the application process. So I saw a lot of those plus others that I see. Where have people pitched me? Okay. Um, yeah, everywhere. So email, social media, publicly, in the DMs, in person, scheduled and unscheduled. We'll talk about that. Pitch competitions, demo days, office hours, mentor days for other organizations, in lifts and in Ubers. Yes, I have been pitched by drivers who either hear a conversation I have on the phone or with another person or ask me and I decide that day I'm going to answer that question. I usually don't answer the question that I'm an investor. Uh, on airplanes, same thing. In airports, at conferences, at restaurants, and more. And I I don't mind being pitched or even talked to about this because it's my job. But I do want to talk in this lecture about when is appropriate, where is appropriate, how is appropriate. So pay close attention to this lecture if you want to know what I've been thinking and what other investors may think about your uh, choices when you come to pitch someone. Why would you need to pitch? Uh, mainly to investors or lenders in this case and for these purposes of this course because this course is about raising capital for your company. You can pitch for many, many, many reasons. They're listed here. I'll say them out loud for anyone who is not viewing for potential customers, vendors, vendors. I said that all fancy. Employees, mentors, advisors, possible co-founders. These are all potential, right? And potential employees, potential co-founders, uh, and other people who you want to be in business with. There are three main ways of pitching that we'll talk about here. Verbally, so in person, over Zoom, more and more phone calls. Written text 
an email that happens a lot. That's where the majority of the pitches that I've seen have come in. Online, otherwise, uh, physical letter sent. Every once in a while, I'll get a business proposal in the mail, uh, a printed out pitch deck, for instance, or some sort of business proposal, model, um, executive summary, executive business case. Let's talk about verbally. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing verbally and visually. um, And I am, I think we're all in pitch mode at some time during our day for something. You're negotiating no matter what your age is, what your background is, you're negotiating something. And I think they did studies on this where it's like you negotiate X number of times per day. You tell the truth X number of times. You lie or uh, uh, almost lie. certain times a day, but you're always negotiating. And the more and more you can start to understand how people are perceiving you, the better. Uh, Some people call it um, self-awareness, but it really is is a day-to-day process. You're never going to get it perfect. I still don't. But the moment that you start to think about it and start to observe, observe how you're coming across to someone is the moment you start to take control of of what that negotiation is. We will talk a lot about negotiating in another module in a, in a in a later time, but think about that, start thinking about that as you look through this particular one. So we, you you need to practice. Uh, I, I have a I'm uh, almost 40 at the at the recording of this. And you may see this when I'm 42, 45, but I, it took until I was 35, 36, actually, in that range to be comfortable speaking and, and giving a pitch. Um, it all came along with my stage fright, and that's a whole nother story. But you, the book, I, I talk about this in It's About Damn Time, the book that I have. And there's an entire chapter about it. And so you can dive deep into what I was thinking there. But a lot of it comes from practice, whether that's uh, intentional practice where you say I'm going to spend X amount of time and I'm going to practice this pitch that I have or I'm going to do this or if it's just the, the practice of doing. I know a founder, actually, I'm just thinking of, her name is Helen. She is the founder of Care Academy, which is one of the por- portfolio companies I have invested in. They're doing really well. They're an amazing company. Look them up. Um, I remember meeting her at a demo day and seeing her give a demo day pitch. But out of everybody who was demoing, I think it was 10 people, 10 companies that day, she was the only one who I saw go on stage before, like as everyone was milling about, she went on stage before and without a microphone, just kind of to herself, practiced the pitch. And at the time, I thought, well, at the time, actually, I was I, I had stage fright, so I wasn't thinking much of it. But I, I do remember thinking, oh, is she over preparing? Is that a bit much? Well, you know what? She won. So I got to say that preparation, now that I'm a speaker and I get paid to speak and I also have I also use my my pitching abilities to raise money and to earn money from partnerships. I understand that it is that repetition that helps you. And so the more you can put yourself into positions where you can repeat that, the better. Um, So practice is important. 
and tone. Uh, going back to practice for just a second, never be too, um, too, uh, have too much ego where you can't practice. Serena Williams practices. Serena Williams has a coach. If she does, we all can. You know what I mean? Okay. Tone, uh, think about tone and speed. I want to talk about speed more so. So I don't know how fast I talk. I do observe myself. I do listen to all of my podcast episodes back. And I also listen to these videos and most videos that I do before I let them out into the world. It's something that I recommend that you do have that quality control no matter how busy you get and what it's about. Um, so there's sometimes where I realize, oh, uh, I, I remember I released the, uh, I released an episode recently of my podcast and I said to my wife, I was like, oh no, I'm too, uh, I was too loud. I was too boisterous and compared to the other person who was speaking. And that, that told me next time, be very careful with that. I just got a little bit too excited and it was noticeable with speed. What I have noticed in the past is that when people get nervous, when they get excited, when they have that adrenaline rushing, or here's a really important thing, or when they think that it's cool to do so, like they think it makes them sound smarter or cooler or more uh, solid, more with it, they will actually go faster on purpose because they think that it's doing that's it makes them sound like they've got it all together they've they've memorized this and so i'm going to say it super fast that is an issue a lot of times when you're pitching you do literally have a certain amount of time that you have to do it but instead of cramming all the words in that you want to use use fewer words so that you can keep your speed at a manageable rate because the other person on the other end of this, no matter how they're receiving it, they have to be able to understand and comprehend and take in what you're telling them, especially if they're hearing from you from the very, for the very first time. They're hearing about the information you're giving them about your company. Maybe they don't even know about the market or the industry that you're talking about, but you're going to throw all these words at them and throw all this information at them at like a speedy um, way and, and, and give it and expect them to not only take that all in, but also give you feedback. There are some people, sure, that will hear that easier than others. Um, I tend to, and I know a lot of investors who just tend to, like, just talk to me in a, in a conversational pattern. Let's go back and forth. You take a breath. You listen to what I have to say. Give me, as the investor or as the person you're pitching to, a chance to come in with response. If you are pitching and it is, okay, you have three minutes to present, that is one thing I'm not going to interrupt you because that's what the standard is for that situation. But I'll give you another example. Um, about a year and a half ago, I was on a television show on Oprah's network own, and it was called Mind Your Business. And I was one of these kind of shark tanky uh, judges, one of three judges. And we were told behind the scenes, because this all of this course is us behind the scenes, right? So I can tell you this. Behind the scenes, we were told, just do what you would do normally in a in an in a investor meeting, in a pitch meeting. 
you don't have to wait for us to tell you to talk or, you know, even even the, the founder who's coming in to talk, she is not going to know you and she's not going to know your your uh, standards. So throw her off a little bit by being yourself. And, you know, this is what this we'll pick it up. You know, we'll film it. We'll catch what we need to catch. So I heard that. And when she came in, she thought she had, what, three, five minutes to pitch. It was her pitching on the show. She had been followed for the whole week. But I had a question and I stopped her about 30 seconds, 45 seconds in. And I asked the question because that's the real world. That's like real conversation. I'm going to ask. I'm not going to be rude to you. And hopefully investors aren't being rude to you. But you have to understand just how much information we are given in a day, in a week, in a year. It is we are pitched so much. I personally am pitched probably a little bit more than others just because uh, I've made myself available and accessible that way. So when you come to pitch me, you have to come to me with with the, with a calmness to you. You don't have to change who you are. I don't want you to change who you are. But just think about the information you're giving. I'm I'm learning about you for the first time. Like try to advocate for me as a learner, as a student of what you're about to teach me in your pitch, and then present it that way. Um, we'll talk about competitions very soon uh, in the next lecture. So check that out. It's something that's interesting. Demo days I mentioned a little bit ago, uh, the, the difference, we'll talk about that. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch, you may have heard this or you may have done this. Uh, you can, you know, fast forward if you, if you know what this is, but elevator pitch is usually like 30 seconds. How long does it take you to go from the first floor to the floor you're getting to or the floor that the investor or the person that you just saw get on the elevator with you? for them to leave the elevator. So imagine it's this. Imagine you are getting on an elevator on the first floor and on the third floor in the mezzanine of this hotel or something, um, your favorite um, uh, investor who is also a sports star gets on the elevator and you know that they invest because you've done your homework, because you've done your research that we talked about. And you have a million things going through your head at once as soon as you see them. And you want to tell them the world. You want to tell them how much you love them, how much they've changed your thoughts, how much you watched them, what about that game they played two weeks ago in the third inning, chapter, quarter, et cetera. But it dawns on you also that this may be a good time for you to talk to them about your company because you know they're an investor. What do you do? That's your setup. Well, if you, it, that could be nerve wracking. You may not take the chance, and that's okay if you don't take the chance there. You don't only have one shot, you have many, many shots. Don't worry about it. But if you decide, okay, what am I going to say? You have to have already in your arsenal, in your, in your tool bag or your tool chest, or whatever you want to call it, you need to have a 10, 15, 20, 30 second pitch that quickly describes what your company does and um, who you are and why it would be interesting to to another person. So it, right now, this is something I want you to think about. P 
pen to paper, typing on your computer, however you want to do it out loud, but something that you kind of practice over and over again. Come up with and time yourself. Use a clock, use a watch, use your phone, use some, have someone else come in and time you. Time yourself and say, could I describe my idea, my company, etc., in 30 seconds or less? Do a 20-second one. Elevators are fast these days. Could I clearly articulate what my company does, who it's for, why it's a good company, in 20 seconds? It's crazy. Um, if you can do that, you, you have a very powerful tool, very powerful. You are someone who is in probably the 5% of the population, if you can do it. So work on that. Finding the yin to your yang. What this means to me, and, and you can look up what this means if you don't w- know what the term itself means, but, um, finding the yin to your yang, finding that person who can do the things you can't do. That may be your co-founder, that may be an advocate for you, an investor, a, a, an advisor who comes with you sometimes. I've seen that happen. I don't, I don't mind when an advisor or an invest, investor accompanies a founder on a meeting if they have put in either capital themselves or they are put in time with them. If they're an investor but they haven't invested in them, that's a bad signal. That's another topic for another time. Um, but what you want to find is if you just really, really in this point in your life do not enjoy talking to people or presenting, you don't think it's going to do your company any good, and you don't think that even learning and working on it over time is going to help. Or if you do think learning will help over time, but you don't have the time, you're going to go you, next week you have a meeting or you have a phone call and you're going to do what we talk about here, but it's going to take a few weeks. You might want to find an advocate, a yin to your yang. Your co-founder may be better at it than you are. So give them the task. Uh, An investor that you already have, an advisor that you already have may be better at it. And that's what I mean by that. So start thinking about, is there someone who can talk about it for me? I remember when I didn't do speaking, now I do all kinds of speaking. But I used to say, well, can I just... Can I just film a video and send it instead of me? <laughs> and sometimes that worked. You know, you, 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 you get creative. Then there's a written. Um, you, written. Here we go. So I get a lot of emails. I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails per day, thousands and thousands per week. The majority, the number one thing that people are asking me in emails is, will you invest in me? Their number one thing they're doing is pitching. The number one thing that I am inundated with is pitching. It's just constant. It's like music, right? I had to learn this lesson. There is a chapter in It's About Damn Time where I talk about how I used to write very long emails. And... I understand why you think, you think it may be your only time, your only shot. You only get one shot. There's even a song about it, right? You only get one shot. I promise you it's not your only chance. And I promise you you also that first impression that you need to make is, is very important. And how do I, I'm going to get to the bottom line. The bottom line is edit. Cut your words in half. If you write an email to me 
It's the first time we've ever talked. I'm going to list. I'm going to read it. I'm going to try my best to get to it at some point. It may not be immediately, but I'm going to try. Or the second time you sent it, or the third. Once I read it, don't have me scrolling down to Narnia to get to your point or to understand what you want or the ask. Chris Saka used to tell me, what's the ask? What's the ask? Just, you know, he wasn't being rude. He was saying, I hear a lot. Just tell me what you want. <laughs> what do you want to know from me? Instead of the entire world written in this, this uh, meandering way. I understand why you do it. I used to do it myself for several years, but I didn't get anywhere doing it. When I started to get somewhere is when I started to edit. So here's what I tell you to do. A, don't have an email to anyone that you want them to really read, anyone who's busy at least, that makes you scroll. If you have to scroll at, at all, it's probably too long, and I probably haven't had a chance to read it. B, when in doubt, cut it in half. I still do this. I still do this to this day. I've done it this morning. Write an email. Write it all out. Get, out, get it all out. <laughs> and then go back and you edit and you cut out things. I did a tweet recently that wasn't a good example of this. I'll try to post it here. Um. You don't have to say everything all at once in this opening email. Uh, being verbose uh, is, is for moments like these, when, I, when I'm teaching you things for 10, 20, 30 minutes at a time where you can push pause and come back a week later and this and that and reference it when you need to. It's not for an email where you want something from someone. So it doesn't matter if it's an investor, if it's your neighbor, if whatever it is, edit. If you can learn to edit, if you can learn to be concise, oh, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. Um, vocabulary and grammar. Uh, there's a great tool called Grammarly. I don't love it because it doesn't exactly do what I think it should do. But um, again, I don't, need, I don't need you to change who you are. So if you have an accent, everybody has an accent by the way. But if you have like a Southern accent or you have a different kind of accent or whatever, and you have been told that you need to polish that, you know what I think about that, right? They don't have to do that. I don't mind how you talk, but there is a certain, um, there's a certain arsenal you can, you can supply yourself with where um, you can uh, every week, for instance, go on a website, a free website and look up five new words or you can go and do a 10-minute video on YouTube about grammar there versus there right t-h-e-i-r versus t-h-e-r-e people are going to notice these things your versus your y-o-u-r versus y-o-u apostrophe r-e they mean two different things and in our casual way of talking a lot of us miss that. But there are some people who will miss you if you're not coming correct to them in a, in a very kind of fundamental ways. So those are the two things. Learn there and there. Learn your and your. Go on YouTube. Just type in, you know, one of those words versus 
their versus their, like, when do you use which? Your versus your, when do you use which? There's some great mnemonic phrases or, or, or methods, right? There are a lot of ways that you can uh, teach yourself little tricks of how to do it. Um, so that's what I, that's what I would just kind of have in the back of your mind. Again, these are, these are just tips that I'm giving you. I'm not going to go in on all of these because that's, that's a bigger course. It's a different course. And ultimately when you write, do let your voice come out, let your style come out. That's, that's what I go back to. You don't have to censor yourself to the point or correct yourself to the point where it's not you, where you're code switching. You don't have to do that. Um, I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are as a person. Let me know in a in a paragraph or two. Let me know in a couple of bullet points, even better. Um, but that's a that's a a muscle you have to work on for a long time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can be very very valuable once you learn it. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, you can check out more at arlensacademy.com. And don't forget. This entire show is brought to you completely free by my company, Hire Runner. To find outstanding talent for your startup, visit HireRunner.co. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.